1: Today on the GAINS Podcast, we're talking ETFs, exchange-traded funds. I think it's a great time to talk about ETFs because they can give investors easy access to all kinds of asset classes, from any commodity you can think of, to stocks in any region of the world, to bonds, yields, and all at a pretty low cost. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is GAINS. Let's bring on Bill Uliveri, owner of cenical Capital Management in Glenview. The website, check it out, cenicalcapital.com That's C-E-N-A-C-L-E, Capital, dot com. And then, Bill, you also have a special uh, things for the GAINS listeners in particular that they'd find uh, a lot of value in. Throw that out there.
3: Well, thanks, Andy. I appreciate it. We have a newsletter that I send out, you know, every three weeks or a month. It's it's covers the stocks, bonds, the market, cryptocurrency, like everything. And you can text the word blockchain to the number two two eight two eight. That's text blockchain to two two eight two eight and get started uh, by subscribing to our email newsletter.
1: Always great to have you on the uh, GAINS Podcast, Bill. How you doing?
3: I'm doing great. I I really appreciate you. Uh, you know connecting with me and you know chatting a little bit about uh, exchange traded funds and these more old school products rather than crypto so this is going to be uh, an excellent conversation
1: yeah bill and it's a good time to talk about exchange traded funds because it gives investors access to other assets and areas of the market that that stocks don't always do and so let's just start there what is an exchange traded fund?
3: Sure, Andy. Well, an exchange traded fund is a basket of securities or commodities that a um, that an investor can obviously invest in, right? And so, when you when you're buying an ETF, you're buying a particular symbol, like a three letter symbol, like SPY or QQQ for the Nasdaq 100, the Russell 2000, IWM. So an investor. By buying shares of an exchange-traded fund like the three that I just mentioned, you own basically a symbol, and then beh- behind the back end are the actual securities that comprise that particular index. So all 500 of the S and P 500 stocks are in SPY. All the 100 Nasdaq stocks are in uh, you know QQQ. You just see the one symbol on your statement, but behind that, the performance. Uh, trades exactly with the underlying index.
1: And unlike a mutual fund, an ETF trades in real time. And you were mentioning ETFs that are tracking a particular index. They trade throughout the day as the index does as well. Unlike a mutual fund, just real quick, uh, explain the difference between an ETF exchange traded fund and a mutual fund.
3: Well, really, in my opinion, the difference is the transparency, the cost, and the regulatory framework. So a mutual fund basically is just one account. It has a, a larger regulatory burden. It was governed and regulated by the 1940 Security Act, or otherwise called the 40 Act. And it trades once a day, like you buy it and sell it. at a closing price at the end of the day. It's something called net asset value. So your five-letter symbol that typically ends in the letter X is a mutual fund symbol. And inside that, say for example, it, it, it tracked the performance of the S&P 500. This mutual fund symbol would have all 500 stocks of the S&P 500 in an account that the mutual fund company manages. But again, there's a regulatory uh, structure, the legal framework is different, the tax structure is not as efficient as an exchange traded fund. The ETFs on the other hand are like the version 2.0 of mutual funds. You get to trade them intraday, They're very liquid. They're incredibly transparent. You can trade options on them. um, And they're just it's just a whole new universe of investment products for investors that actually reduce, typically reduce the cost of owning a basket of stocks and achieving more index like performance. It's, it's really a wonderful marvelous marvelous uh product for most investors
1: and as as I was mentioning you you know there's ETFs for commodities there is ETFs for bonds there's ETFs for stocks or you know a, a particular uh group of stocks or foreign stocks the, the I think the the great thing about exchange traded funds is there's an ETF for almost anything right now and uh, so you can get exposure to things that mm, before you weren't really able to and I'm thinking from agriculture to precious metals the stocks I mean you can even do get an ETF on treasury yields there's another thing and we'll talk about it in a little bit where there's an inverse that's that's one of the beautiful things about ETFs is just the exposure you can get to areas that normally weren't there before
3: there's really an exchange traded fund for almost anything i i have you know my database has roughly 2600 exchange traded funds and exchange traded notes like you said andy it's natural gas exposure crude oil copper coffee cocoa like the entire complex of agricultural corn wheat soybeans like all these things are now available to investors And this has really been something like you had mentioned or brought to the forefront lately because inflation and the conversation of inflation and commodities has been really top of mind for most people for the last two years or so. And so in addition to just plain vanilla exchange traded funds like the S&P 500, SPY, IWM, QQQ, like all the ones that are, are very familiar to most investors, you can almost get exposure to virtually any kind of commodity or bond Emerging markets, and you can be long or short. Well, again, I'm looking here at uh, about a hundred exchange traded funds or exchange traded products. That's it's short the agricultural market, double short the agricultural market. You can buy dry bulk shipping uh, exchange traded fund. You know, biotech, Nasdaq, Bitcoin. You can do whatever you want in terms of long, double long, short, or double short. Uh, for virtually every kind of product it's it's actually kind of a little overwhelming but if you wanted to buy the u.s dollar you could buy uup and if you wanted to short the euro dollar you could buy euo which is a ultra short two times like a two beta euro dollar short position so like these new products basically cater to the most I'm not going to say advanced trader, but whatever like whatever you want. It's like Las Vegas. Not, It's not like Las Vegas. But I mean, anything you want to buy or sell, anything you want to be long or short, single or double beta or triple beta, it's available in some kind of exchange traded note. And at, at a very low cost. That's correct. And again, I think it boils down to that, you know, regulatory and legal framework that the exchange traded funds typically have. They have Again, like I said, the much lower legal and regulatory requirements, and that is able to permit them to offer a very very low annual management fee. Uh, and now Vanguard's done a great job on their mutual funds and their ETFs. And my gosh, you know some of these big firms offer zero cost exchange traded funds, like zero commission. Uh, although their annual management fee might be like a couple of bips, um, basis points. But you know, it really, if you're looking to do a double or triple short ETF, you're not really you don't really care that much about whether you get charged zero point two five or zero point three six annually for holding this thing.
1: There are some warnings uh with this because we there there can be deterioration over time. Just for example, and let's use the uh let's use the Dow as an example. Um and and, and I've talked about it on the Gaines podcast before when uh you know, Markets were looking really, really rough, and, and the Dow theory was telling us that it's going to go much lower. That was one of the vehicles I was using to short. I wasn't out route shorting. I was using an ETF uh, vehicle. I was using DOG. That was uh, the ETF to short the Dow, so using that as okay. a Dow. So you go long on the Dow. There's an ETF to go long on the Dow, but uh, at the time, things didn't look Good. I didn't want to be buying stocks like I normally would. And I wanted to just outright short uh, the Dow because I I felt like it was going to go lower. So I bought the ETF dog, which the price of dog goes up as the price or the value of the Dow goes down. You can also, of course, you know, go long on the Dow, and there's an ETF for that as well. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, let's use the Dow as an example, uh, just to kind of boil it down.
3: Well, year year to date, DOG, Dog, the short Dow 30 exchange traded from from ProShares, it's up 13.29 percent. So if you bought it, you know, at 1231 2021, you would be up 13.29 percent, where the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down. 14.5 14.5 uh, percent as of the close uh, from yesterday, uh, uh, yesterday's close. And so here you have a like 1.2 percent difference between the positiveness of the Dow and a negativeness of the Dow Jones industrial average. But, you know, there could pro- possibly be a little bit of drag inside there. It could possibly be maybe a little dividend stream that the DIA may have that the Dow DOG doesn't have. So there's always a little bit of slippage, Andy, you know, a little bit of drag on these inverse ETFs. They don't quite track perfectly. And besides the, the Dow short ETF symbol DOG, that has an annual management fee, I think, of about 0.99 percent or 0.95. So maybe some of the actual drag might be caused just by the overall expenses that these things have underneath the hood. So, you know, investors should be, you know, understand and be aware of that.
1: And a lot of times they settle these on a daily basis too. And that can be a factor. That's the drag you're talking about. That's And, and that's mainly more so for uh, ETFs that are like in, in in the, for instance, dog where you're actually shorting the market. I see a little bit more drag, so to speak on the shorts versus the long ETFs.
3: Hey, and it's been a good trading. I mean, you've done great in it, to be honest with you. Um, and listen, you know, when you're short the market, there's generally you know greater expenses to do that. I mean, to be short means you're buying put options. It means you're buying calls and selling the underlying security. And and look, and here's another exchange-traded fund that you're talking about, the Dow. What about S Dog? S Dog is the ALPS uh, dividend, like dogs of the uh, the dividend dogs. So it is a um, it yields 4.11 percent. The symbol is S D O G, and again. It you know, it, it tracks broad market, um, uh, you know, equities and pays a, a healthy dividend. So uh, I think there's just, again, so many different ways you can bake a cake. You know, investors are probably well served to take a look at, to see if they have a position they want to make in something and then see if there's an exchange traded fund that's um available for it
1: we're going to continue the etf discussion right after we take a quick break hey be sure to subscribe follow leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts if that's an option for you and as always subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new gains episode drops we'll be right back right after the break All right, we're back with Bill Uliveri, owner of Seneca Capital Management in Glenview, the website, cynicalcapital.com. So, Bill, one of the ETFs that I often use to hedge and get a little exposure to gold is GLD. I know you're familiar with that as well. So let's uh, start the conversation off with GLD.
3: Sure, sure. We trade, uh, you know, we have GLD for our own client accounts. It's a great way and a popular way of getting exposure to the price of gold. And it also has options available on it. And so for us, you know, we don't we don't want to necessarily reinvent the wheel. Um, My clients primarily, if they they may already own gold bullion or some numismatics on their own, you know, in their own safety deposit box or on their own. But everybody. Was complaining uh, about two things this year. One, they were concerned about inflation, crude oil, and expenses. And two, they were just kind of wondering in general why gold didn't perform as its inflation hedges that, that they expected in 2022, and for some parts of 2021. And so again, they have a diversified portfolio. You need you know stocks, bonds, your you know your S and P, your QQQ, you know high yielding funds, maybe some high yield corporates and a little bit of commodity exposure. And GLD was one of the things that we have in the past uh, purchased for our clients. And again, highly, you know, very active, lots of volume, uh, optionable, and it's just a great product for people that are looking for an alternative asset class for their retirement accounts.
1: Another area that you can get uh, exposure to by using an ETF is agriculture. And you don't have to be super sophisticated. Uh, If you want exposure to corn, then you, you know, the ticker C-O-R-N. If you want exposure to wheat, it's the the ticker for the ETF on wheat is W-E-A-T. Soybeans, S-O-Y-B. Cane, which is sugar cane, C-A-N-E. Tags, which we've talked about this on the uh, podcast before, is the combination of corn, wheat, soybean and cane and that's tags. It's a nice tool that's not so sophisticated and just easy and low cost to get exposure to these different areas that I, I think a lot of in, you know, especially newbies are a little reluctant to even wade in. And I, I think that's one of the key values of exchange traded funds.
3: Well yeah, I mean cash Andy you just you just named so many, many good ones. Um again Coffee, corn, cocoa—like any type of commodity complex you're interested in taking a look at, or again trying to add commodity protection to your portfolio. I mean, you nailed it already with uh, with, with with the corn, wheat, and soybean ones. There's DBA, the Deutsche Bank uh, Agricultural Index, that is a combination of like corn, wheat, and soybeans, all in varying uh, degrees. So it's exciting that investors have so many different places to go. There is cotton aluminum, sugar. There's a uh, something called a commodity carry strategy, corn, livestock, copper, uh, base metals. I mean, it just, the list goes on. Nickel, it just goes on and on and on. There's just palladium. There's like nothing you can't buy in terms of commodities using exchange traded funds and exchange traded notes. And again, each investor kind of has to do their own due diligence. You want to make sure that the annual management fee isn't too high, make sure that it perhaps isn't too volatile, for example, in the double short or double long uh, exchange-traded funds. Again, there's a great opportunity. Sugar, yeah, cane, I'm looking at sugar cane right now. That was, boy, that, that was trading at four seventy-five or $5 per share. Now it's, uh, you know, $9 a share. All these commodities just launched in the last year, Andy, you know, because inflation just really attacked this economy. And, it was they were really and look at how far we've come, Andy. In in April of twenty twenty, crude oil was forty dollars below zero. Negative oh, right. forty per bushel. All the commodities were absolutely got annihilated. The entire commodity complex got crushed back then. And then boom, as soon as COVID hit, these things just went up, you know, a hundred, two hundred, three hundred percent. So where do we go now? I'm not sure. You know, commodities are the most volatile, one of the most volatile uh asset classes out there. So a lot of these things are down 20, 25% or more year to date, but Hey, at least you've got a tool in the toolbox that you can use to defend and, and add a different diversified attribute to your portfolio.
1: Another area that comes to mind, uh, you know, I was actually in the business was currencies and it can give you exposure both long or short on foreign currencies. It can give you uh exposure to treasury yields, uh, I mean, it's it's amazing the access that just the regular investor has, and it's you don't have to be super sophisticated. Now there there is a warning to some of this, and and especially as as we mentioned, I've I've called them oh double or triple baggers. I mean, that's that's there's a a little bit more risk that goes with those. Versus even just the straight, you know, even one for one ETFs, but it, there's some downside, in it, and I want you to just kind of hit on some of the the, the 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 warning that you should give the uh, gains listener as as far as uh, ETFs.
3: Well, Andy, that's that's uh, really important, and, and that is again there are there are exchange traded funds that hold the physical basket of these goods that we're talking about in an account, but then the exchange traded notes are really like unsecured debt where the the ET, the ETN sponsor is promising to make good on the rate of return of an underlying commodity, uh, so it's just that the the investor should know whether it's an exchange traded fund or an exchange traded note. These products can lose value. there's counterparty risk more on the exchange traded note side and, and so again, you don't want you, you know these these etfs that are double and triple beta inverse or you know even l- long so to speak, the, the, the long, double, long ones, I, you just got to, you have to treat them with a lot of respect because I do know that some day traders and people that use technical analysis and they have their trading rules. These things are so volatile. It almost, it's very hard to have like an old school trading system with a triple beta ETF because these old trading books were not designed or written necessarily when these double and triple beta ETFs were in existence. So your trading rules just might not work. So you may have to expand your perimeters and parameters for the for your rules-based trading game. But I'm just saying, um, you know, for an investment advisor, I kind of like the old school OG exchange-traded funds. But again, there are some of my clients that have more of a um, gambling and active trading mentality that are okay with that. And for them, the ETNs and ETFs are a good space if we're going to select the double you know uh, beta etfs or even the commodity based etfs again you each investor has to go to the website look at the prospectus you know bring up the fund summary and make sure that you feel comfortable with the liquidity the market capitalization the annual management fees and again just use your due diligence and be careful because these things move like crazy and you may lose more than well you're not going to lose more than your initial investment but just you know buyer beware be very very cautious with these things
1: another area that investors can get exposure through ETFs is investments in a particular country. So say, you know, conditions look really good for Brazil or conditions look really good for South Korea and just kind of hit on, on the ETFs giving you exposure to foreign markets. And do you have a favorite?
3: Well, as a matter of fact, Funny that you mentioned that, but I have been looking at, uh, where is it? I've been looking at the Chinese Yuan exchange-traded fund. That is um, symbol CYB. I think that that looks really interesting because there's so much conversation lately on the rally of the U.S. dollar. U.S. dollar is at 20-year highs. I'm beginning, I'm beginning to like CYB. And there's also another Japanese exchange-traded fund. The symbol is, I just need a second to find it. Um, is it GXC? GXC is the uh, Spider S&P 500 China ETF. I think it looks really good. China's been trading, kind of been trading sideways for about, <laughs> you know, 10 or 12 years. It's hardly, you know, under. I mean, it did decline during the COVID, you know, issue back in, you know, 2020. I'm sorry, um, in 2021 into 2022. China had its own problems, but I just kind of like the way it looks. So right now I'm looking at exposure where foreign markets will probably increase in value if um, our U.S. dollar begins to decrease. I know that sounds a little bit crazy, but it's just I like the way the chart patterns of China look right now. I'm still not a huge, um, you know, Euro fan. I'm kind of liking the uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China funds, the BRIC funds. Only because, again, Russia has been out of favor for a while. China looks like it's just getting some legs. Brazil, I think, got a little carried away uh, maybe last year in the rally of those Brazil shares, and they pulled back quite a bit.
1: Sorry to cut you off here. The the one uh, that I use that I like uh, for Brazil exposure is the Brazil mm-hmm. Index MSCI shares. The ticker on that is EWZ. Uh, You know, if I I look on the chart, that's actually a a pretty reasonable price and something that I'm comfortable buying into. And that's how you can get exposure to a basket of Brazilian companies. And uh, so that's why these things are so neat. Each ETF has a particular focus. And, you know, again, it's an easy way for someone like me to just get exposure to Brazil. Cause I think the conditions right. are right there and the pricing's right versus going out and actually phys- going out and buying a bunch of different Brazilian stocks.
3: Right. Well, listen, I, Andy, you picked out a really good one. Cause here we have, so I was looking at BKF boy night. Mm, uh, I should, I should use my uh, ham radio phonetic, you know, Bravo kilo, uh, F as in Frank, right. And yours is EWZ. So, your expense ratio is 0.59 percent my fund is 0.7 so mine's a little bit more expensive my yield is 3.91 percent your yield your dividend yield is an insane 13.32 percent which is crazy awesome your fund inception uh your fund was uh, started in year 2000 you know july 14th mine started in 2007 and so to be able to compare these funds side by side are, are really important our, uh, the year-to-date P&L, let's see, is, um, mine is down 20%. Yours is down 7.5%, which is interesting. So then I have to say to myself, well, what's inside? Right? You have an 18% position to um, Campania Valeria Dolce. I mean, who, I don't even know what that is yet. It could be an energy company. It could be a, you know, who knows what it is. So the composition of your products are way different than the composition and holdings of mine. Mine are like eight percent, six percent, three percent, two percent. Yours is eighteen and a half percent. Then it goes down to like seven and three quarters, six point six, six point three. So my my ETF is mostly consumer cyclicals and technology and industrials, financials. Yours is basic materials, which has done awesome, right? In utilities, financial products. So. Again, um, yeah, your ETF is only Brazil. Mine is Brazil, Russia, India, and China. So I've gotten hurt more on my set than than you did. Your, yours is pure Brazil. Mine's four different countries.
1: Another one that comes to mind for me is the tickers EWY. I like using the iShares, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I'm just consistent with them. But EWY, that's the iShares MSCI South Korea ETF, which and that's mm-hmm. that's what I use to get exposure to South Korea. So it's interesting to compare these because that's even another thing is, you know, we're talk- going back to the, just the Brazil example. There are multiple ways you can get exposure to Brazil and, and that's where you do the homework and look at, you know, what are the components? What's the focus of the holdings? Give me another uh, ETF that you like when you're trying to get exposure to a, a foreign country.
3: This is really a, a timely conversation that you and I are having and I'll tell you why because the US dollar has rallied so much and it's at 20 year highs the high dollar has hurt investments and asset classes everywhere and so I'm just now beginning to look at some of these country some of these sector exchange I'm sorry it's not sector but the country ETFs and if you give me just a second yeah and I in, and in the
1: meantime I I, lo- I I actually because of the because the dollar has climbed, as as you're looking that up, because the dollar has strengthened so much, I'm finding value in some of these emerging markets, in some of these other countries. And, you know, a strong dollar, we're getting more South Korean stocks. We, we're getting more Brazilian stocks when I'm buying these ETFs that I'm talking about. And I, I think that... Not only are the 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 components in these ETFs are going to do well, but also I think the dollar is going to you know eventually give a little ground uh, you know back sure. because it's just been so you, strong, and that benefits some of these. That's why I'm really kind of uh, a little bullish on emerging markets right now.
3: Andy, so am I, and and so I like EEM. That's the iShares Emerging Markets. I don't think you brought that one up. You brought up EWZ, but EEM I like. VWO, which is the Vanguard Emerging Markets Exchange Traded Fund. And if you and I think that the dollar is going to decline, well, then we could buy UDN. That's the uh, down U.S. dollar market. So there's an inverse U.S. dollar market. Now, I don't really, it's the Invesco uh, U.S. dollar index bearish fund. Now, I'm not so sure we really need to allocate to that because if the U.S. dollar begins to fall, our asset classes like the S&P and our, our across the board should probably rally, right? So, But however, if you wanted to take a shot and speculate in a fund that will go up in value if the U.S. dollar declines, then UDN is kind of an interesting uh, place to look.
1: So, you know, we've covered a lot of ground, Bill. And you know what? I'm going to have you on again uh, as we move along and, and we can talk further about exchange traded funds because I just love being able to... Uh, get exposure to commodities, get exposure to foreign markets. I love that EEM, by the way, emerging markets. Uh, that That mm-hmm. is another one that I'm in currently. But as we wrap up our exchange-traded fund discussion here on the GAINS podcast, Bill, what's your takeaway? What do you want to get across to the GAINS uh, listener?
3: Well, I think, Andy, and that is, like, whatever... There are so many products in this buffet of, of securities and exchange-traded funds. There's an unlimited, almost unquenchable selection of areas that you can invest in. Emerging markets, emerging market debt, again, Bitcoin, high-yield, high-grade copper. I mean, whatever whatever you want, you can, you can allocate to. Now, the question is this. One, you have to make sure that every investor reads those prospectuses and understands that you know past performance is no indication of future returns. These ETFs can and do lose money, and they can be illiquid sometimes. And you have to make sure that you just be very, very, very diligent at what you're investing in and make sure it meets your financial goals. Because honestly, you know, when when inflation kicks up and it's getting a little bit frothy, it can be somewhat enticing to add too much inflation exposure, say, to a portfolio, right? And so now we're seeing bonds actually perform quite well in a, in a, in a space that's talking about commodities. So you have, you know, high yield bonds and, you know, even the treasuries and AGG, uh, TLT, IEI, like all these other ETFs that are treasury-based uh, and fixed income-based are, are looking kind of interesting. So again, get down with a piece of paper, see where your risk tolerance is, chat with your financial advisor, make sure that you don't exceed the parameters of a good long-term prudent portfolio. And then from there, you can add little bits and pieces just to add a little bit of alpha or extra additional return or diversification to your portfolio. Again, follow the rule of Hippocrates. First, do no harm. To your portfolio and then go from there.
1: Again, big thanks to Bill Uliveri, owner of Seneca Capital Management in Glenview, Uh, the website, cenicalcapital.com. And as always, hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. I've been told that's podcast gold, and as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new gains episode drops. We are back next Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey.